Welcome to the Michigan Bowhunters Podcast, the voice of Michigan's hunting archer. Now here's your host, Bill Hoffman. Hello and welcome back to another thrilling episode, if I don't say so myself, epic episode of the Michigan Bowhunters podcast. Of course, I'm your host, Bill Hoffman, and this week's show is uh, pretty awesome, <laughs> but I may be a biased source. It's always nice when you get to bring in your friends and have great discussions and talk about the things that you both have shared passionate about. And today's guest is our vice president of the Michigan, our new vice president of the Michigan Bow Hunters, Lance DeVote. And Lance is a good friend of mine. We've been friends for, it's got to be almost a decade now. We like to shoot together and hang out together and talk. And he's a big fan of mine and I'm a big fan of his. So <laughs> we have a little bit of a bromance in this episode, but it's a really good conversation. We talk about a lot of things. We talk about archery, of course. We talk about hunting and some of the cool hunts he's been on, some of the cool hunts that he's going on, but also how we both got started in the outdoors. We kind of had different paths, but they led us to the same conclusion. And it was, uh, I really enjoyed sitting down and talking with my good friend Lance. Then in segment three, I also had him talk about his former job with Michigan Bowhunters, which he was the affiliate club coordinator. And we talked about the challenges that he had in that position and how his replacement is um, got his work cut out for him because it's not necessarily an easy job, but it is an important one. And then we kind of discussed some of the things that are important to affiliate clubs that they may not be, uh, let's say, taken advantage of as they are affiliate clubs with the Michigan Bowhunters. Easy for me to say, I know. That, with all that being said, um, this week's audio drama is a story from my book, Loose Fletchings. It's a true story about a hunt that I had that went wrong, and it is a bear attack. And this is a Michigan situation that happened in the Alp Peninsula when I was a teenager, and I survived my bear attack. Um, spoiler alert, I'm here talking to you, so you know I, I got away with from it. <laughs> and um, But the, uh, the fear was real, the drama was real, the tension and all that um, in that story. And it was, it was a pretty traumatic, um, what, albeit maybe 15 minutes at the max of my life, it's probably at that time was the most traumatic 15 minutes I've been through. So that is called true fear. And uh, I have this joke, and of course I'm just joking, folks, when I say um, there's a lot of things to be scared of in the UP. I say there's wolves, there's bears, and there's youpers. And if that's not funny enough, the rest of the punchline is two of those three things have teeth. Now, of course, I'm kidding, and we don't want to uh, make light of all of our members up there in the Upper Peninsula. It's just a good little joke to have, but uh, that's what this story involves. It involves youpers, it involves wolves, and it involves bears, and I say multiple bears for a reason. So I really hope you enjoy uh, the story of my bear attack in the True Fear um, audio drama. And that is segment one. Let's go ahead and hop into it. I'm going to leave you here with a uh, a message from one of our great sponsors of the Michigan Bowhunters Association. And if you want to 
join the Michigan Bowhunters Association or come on board as a sponsor, we do have room available for you, of course. You can just head on over to michiganbowhunters.com and check out all the info there. Thanks a lot, everyone. And here's True Fear. Here at the Michigan Bowhunters Association, we have quite a few businesses and organizations that have stepped up and helped us out over the years. The first I'd like to tell you about is the Lost Nation Archery, where traditional archery means personal service. Lost Nation Archery can be reached at 1-888-800-7880. Again, that's 1-888-800-7880. Thank you, Lost Nation Archery, for always supporting the Michigan Bowhunters Association. True Fear The scariest moment of my hunting career came when I was 15 years old on a deer bow hunt in Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Being as I was 15, I had only been hunting two years on my own. Let's just say I was still a little green. As this was the first trip to my dad's deer camp, the entire way up I drove with my learner's permit. This included crossing the world's longest suspension bridge or what felt like it. All five miles of the Mackinac Bridge were a white knuckle adventure to this inexperienced driver. Aside from the terrors of plummeting into the Straits of Mackinac, the entire drive my dad convinced me there was an angry bear around every tree stump in the UP. It was a five and a half hour drive from home. It was five and a half hours of him loading me up with so many bull butter stories of bear attacks that by the time we arrived, I didn't sleep a wink. The next morning, we walked the property and I learned the lay of the land. We did see some bear tracks and scat. Great, he wasn't lying. We ate lunch, found some good trails, and hung a few stands after watching some turkeys roost we then settled in for another sleepless night. This night was sleepless due to a coyote pack doing their best Lady Gaga impressions about 75 yards from the back of the door. My dad convinced me they were wolves. And yes, it actually was a full moon. Great, another thing that wants to eat me. Again, I kindly remind you, I was very green. However, the cries of the song dogs were muffled enough through the fear-laced pillow that I had wrapped around my head for me to get at least a few hours of shut-eye. Soon, it was just before daybreak, and I was sitting alone in the dark, waiting for the woods to come alive. I heard some movement to my left, a shuffling in the leaves. It was still too dark to see what it was, but I knew damn well the turkeys we had watched go to roost the night before hadn't flown down yet. It had to be a deer or a bear, I thought. Then I saw them, like small little demons clumsily merging from the thicket. Three black bear cubs, 
in the early morning light 17 yards away. Of course, I knew the cubs were harmless to me, but where was the sow? On the car drive up, my dad reminded me multiple times of how many limbs you lose when you get near a sow's cubs. 14 yards. They were getting closer. They must smell me, I thought to myself as panic set in. Eight yards. My back sunk into the oak tree. I was shaking so hard that the last of the fall acorns were dropping from the involuntary vibrations. The sound seemed to startle the bear cubs and they began dashing around through the fallen leaves that littered the forest floor. I knew in my mind the only thing worse than being between a sow and her cubs was being between a sow and her frightened cubs. I began to pray. I closed my eyes tightly and spoke to the Lord with more conviction than any other time in my life. All while I could hear the cubs moving closer and closer. I then felt a thud on the first rung of my 12 foot ladder stand. I couldn't bear to open my eyes as I just knew the sow was on her way up to chew on my leg. As I said amen and opened my eyes, I was ready. Ready to do whatever it took to get out of that tree and away from the mauling that was headed my way. Luckily, my prayer had been somewhat answered as the creature had not found my ladder very interesting. I focused my eyes, looking around to take stock in the locations of each beast as they surrounded me. I then locked eyes with the big one, the one that had just been on my ladder. Direct, eye-to-eye contact. She knew I was there. Now, there was no doubt. Six yards. The sun broke over the tree line, and there on the ground, surrounding my ladder, at my feet, were three porcupines. It turns out, in the dark, porcupines look a lot like bear cubs. Thanks, Dad. This episode of the Michigan Bowhunters Association podcast is brought to you by Brooks Archery. You can find out more info about Brooks Archery at brooksarchery.com. Of course, we all are all familiar with Brooks Archery as they've been serving the Kalamazoo area for over 50 years. They believe that archery is more than a business, it's a lifestyle, and they're constantly looking for equipment that will give their customers the best quality and value. Brooks Archery offers the leading industry bows, accessories, and hunting equipment to help you be more successful. Check out brooksarchery.com. And welcome back to this segment. I have a very good friend here in person doing an in-person interview. The first, no, I'm sorry. 
the second in-person interview I've been lucky enough to do for the podcast. Of course, in the last episode, you guys heard me interview a youth hunter about her first successful archery turkey hunt. It was my daughter, so that one was pretty easy to schedule. You guys all know that. But today I have the current vice president of the Michigan Bow Hunters in the studio, Lance DeVoot. Nope, I messed it up. I told you, <laughs> dang it, Lance DeVoot. We, we, DeVoot, DeVoot is fine, but yeah, we, my family's pronounced it DeVoot because DeVoot. we can't, <sighs> we had to anglicize it. Nobody would pronounce it like you do in. Uh, northern belgium or uh or in uh, the netherlands folks we literally just had a four to six minute conversation <laughs> about how i was going to jack up his name and, and i said and he, he started telling me like the the difference in it and i said to myself i was like you're giving me too much information you're putting too much in my head lance my friend how you doing today sir i'm good thanks uh thanks for having me over bill oh yeah you're welcome to my uh, my studio my home uh generally I record these down in the basement, right, where it's like soundproof and it sounds good. And I got all my taxidermy up on the wall. And that uh, we had uh, my nieces and nephews and everyone over here this weekend. Well, the basement also doubles as the playroom. Okay. This is how fancy we are here at the uh, Michigan Bow Hunters Association. <laughs> <laughs> right? So it's the playroom slash uh, man cave slash recording studio. And it's trashed. I mean, there's Legos and Nerf darts. Well, I'd and, feel right at home then. Well, the kids had a good time this weekend. <laughs> the kids had a good time. I'm not going to complain, but uh, I was like, you know what? We'll do it upstairs in the dining room. But I uh, can't thank you enough for making the drive out here. Let's see. Today is uh, what April 17th. So, right. All right. You're working on your third week as the uh, vice president. Congrats. Wow. Has it been that long? <laughs> time really flies when you're having fun. <laughs> Well, let's see. You've had a couple different events going on, and there's lots of stuff happening. We're we're almost well. As people are listening to this, we're a week into turkey season. I haven't been out turkey hunting yet, uh, and uh, involved in some other things, as you know. Uh, all of us uh, in bow hunting are also outdoorsmen in other yep. ways, and I've been lucky enough to have some friends take me out on their boat, uh, their boats. Uh, Walleye fishing. Ooh, let's talk about that. Did you guys doing it good? Done. Did very good. I've, I've heard it's a, a if, banger if year for walleye. If we were on video, I'd be getting out the pictures and showing you the, <laughs> my my catch. And in fact, yesterday I also caught a coho. Really? On the St. Clair River. Okay. Right? I was going to say, we, you must have been Detroit River system uh, then, right? The St. Clair St. River, Clair. The, okay. no, the north of Lake St. Clair. Okay. And uh, we did pretty good. Uh, we were fishing a few days out there and... Uh, I've got plenty of uh, walleye in my freezer. Should have thought to bring some by for you. Well, uh, I'm not one to ever turn down uh, walleye yeah. fillets, no, my man. Now, now I think of it. Uh, but uh, I, w- I also had enough to share with uh, both yeah. both of my daughters and their family. They like uh, well, they like fish as well. So and I have plenty. Got plenty of practice in uh, filleting walleyes. <laughs> uh, so and uh, I'll be going out next weekend walleye fishing as well. Now don't feel bad if you don't know this because I didn't know this for years and years and years of walleye fishing. And perhaps don't also don't feel bad if you're like, yeah, dub bill cuz I know you have a few years on me. But do you keep the cheek meat? Do you know what I'm speaking I of? I don't. I don't. And you know what? The the thing is is I, I'm I'm fishing with other people right. on their boat, right? Okay. So I don't have a boat. 
And even though I grew up right next door to Lake, uh, right practically on the shore of Lake St. Clair, uh, for some reason, I've just never owned a boat. And so because I'm a guest on other people's boat, you kind of, you know, do what they you do. do what they yeah. do, right? And the guys that I've been fishing with, a couple, few different guys, uh, both the Detroit River and the St. Clair River, as well as um, a flying fishing trip last year in northern Ontario, they don't say the cheek meat. Now, if I was doing it myself, in other words, out fishing myself or on right. my own boat, setting my own pace, I would, in fact, take the time to carve out that cheek meat. It's like a 50-cent piece size of gold. How do these guys throw it away? I agree with you. I agree with you. And But they don't do it. And I even mentioned it to the captain of the boat that I went out on uh, for the past few days. And uh, a guy named Dave, real nice friend, real good friend. And he just kind of shrugged and went, yeah, no, I don't bother. Wow. But, oh, wait a minute. I should mention, he doesn't eat fish at all. Oh, but he's, a, but he's a charter captain? Nope. Just has a boat, likes to go off. He loves to fish, loves the camaraderie. Yeah. And we've talked about that before, right? Much That's, of what we do, whether it be hunting reason. or yep. fishing, or it's the camaraderie, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I've been on many hunts where I got nothing, and they're some of the best times that I've ever had. Well, know? it's like the, uh, the Lando Lakes Bowman Club that we're both members of. Right. Every year we have a small game hunt. Yeah. I don't think we've ever killed a rabbit. Uh, I didn't ever seen a rabbit. <laughs> I'm pretty convinced it's like one of those, what's the joke about a snipe hunt or something? Yeah, because, right, yeah. Yeah, they, they I've never seen a rabbit exist. out there. we got plenty of squirrels, turkeys, deer, and uh, maybe even bear. No, I'm kidding. But Bobcat. Bobcat, right? But no rabbits it yeah it, it's a 54 acre paradise it's gorgeous it's rabbit free yeah yeah <laughs> so, we have beautiful hardwood forest up yeah. there and even there's but there's not a ton of underbrush no and i think that's it yeah right. there's i mean because we clean it you know we sure there, there's not a lot of brush piles there's yeah and we have one of our members todd minock who since he's been retired literally like runs his beagles every day yeah. he has a facebook page you guys should go to it's called uh uh, I think it's called Minox Beagles. It's really cool to watch. I'll I like watching. Check, I'll have to check that. Yeah, out, he's yeah. super and and like he runs them every every day. Like he's probably out running today. Yeah, and he they wear GPS collars. Okay, and then he posts kind of the map of like where the dogs went. And, oh, today we did fourteen miles and about you know kicked up so many. Ra- you know, he won't even bring his rabbits out to the club because he's a, his dogs out to the club. Oh yeah, oh yeah, he won't even bring the dogs out to the club yeah. because he's like. There's no rabbits here. There's no rabbits. <laughs> we go anyway. <laughs> we go anyway. I mean, maybe we'll shoot a squirrel or add a squirrel. Or... There might be a rabbit someday. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think because we hunt there in the fall for deer and stuff. And yeah, I don't think I've ever even mown the lawn out there and stuff. No. No, I don't think I've ever no, seen it. Or even, not... or even tracks. Right. I'm not out there a ton in the winter. Right. But. Well, sometimes it can be a little tricky telling the difference between rabbit and squirrel tracks unless it's leading straight up a tree. There you go. But, yeah, yeah, I'd never seen any evidence of rabbit out there. But back to that point, we still have that hunt every year. And we we still go and we have a a a campfire. It's a blast. We have venison (laughs) chili. Like, we have a good time. (laughs) We're not going to not do it. (laughs) Yeah, right? Yeah. So, oh, man. Um, Up north in West Branch. Right. my deer camp is on a little road that comes off of a, a main road called um, 
Lucky Trail. Okay. And years ago, I wrote us. So we had nine deer camps where no one killed anything. Yeah. You know, and yeah. so our deer camp there, it's a bow camp. Right. And we only go for like five days, usually around the second week of October. So call the October lull what you want. Sometimes it's like 75, 80. It's not always the best time of deer hunt. Right. right. And, and not everyone hunts really hard. Um, but we've had opportunities, uh, shot one and lost one. But anyway, so <laughs> I got to this point where the 10th year I finally killed a deer up there yeah. and, uh, I wrote a song So I didn't play a little guitar and I wrote a song called only the deer get lucky on lucky trail. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just, but so it's all true. But the entire song is not about hunting. No, it's about camp life. Yeah. It's about the, the. I always bitch because I say the chili's too spicy because I'm kind of a sissy when it comes to like hot and spicy things. Okay. And then my entire in-laws. I didn't realize that about you. But oh, I am. Yeah. 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 And then like my in-laws are like Puerto yeah, Rican. I've known right? you all these years and <laughs> I'm still learning stuff. <laughs> yeah. So like my in-laws are like all Puerto Rican. So you can't throw, you can't, you can't get hot enough. Oh yeah. You know, For so sure. it's, uh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> see, in when, 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 I invite people over or I want people to come onto the podcast. For those of you listening, this is the conversation I want. It doesn't always have to be about the history and the, it, it's about the camaraderie. Yeah. Right. It is. Now we're going to talk to some people that have killed some pretty big deer eventually. Sure. Um, I'm not one of them. Not I mean, me. I've, <laughs> not me. <laughs> I've killed some nice deer. I've killed a lot of average deer. I'll say that, you know, um, yeah, we used to be real happy up North of, uh, Atlanta. If we get a six pointer, you know, that, yeah. was, that was really good. Yeah, if you shoot two of them, that's 12 points. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I didn't think of that. So, um, and you mentioned Atlanta. So let's just dive in a lot. A lot of people might, uh, might not know. Um, we'll get to the Michigan bow hunter stuff, of course, but let's talk about our friendship. Okay. It, Cause it's, uh, Kind of random how it started, right? As as they often do. As they often do. So yeah. if my memory serves me correct, and if I'm wrong, it's fine. We're, we're going back to Lando Lakes Bowman, right? And it was a it was a, a April shoot, I believe. I think so. And it, I mean, this must have been what six yeah. years ago, seven years ago. Oh, Eight. easy seven years. Yeah, it's ago. been a long time. Yeah. yeah. So um, it it was a long time, and it was uh, cold. Pretty cold. When S- it's snowy. St- but it didn't start snowing. Mm-hmm. If I remember correctly, there wasn't snow on the ground when we started. Wasn't there? Because there sure was when we ended. When we ended, <laughs> there was. And it was those giant snowflakes yeah. that are the size of like a quarter. Right. And they're big and soft and fluffy. Yeah. And I had shown up alone. And I think you had come out. Alone. I don't think you had alone. And I, right. And I don't know if someone introduced us. You know, honestly, it was probably like Ken Skolik or someone said, Maybe. or you know, like, hey, you two should know each other or or whatnot. That might have been how we might have met at the sign-in table and got introduced by whoever was signing us in there. Yeah, know, which probably was Ken Skolik. Yeah. yeah, and for me, like I'll shoot with anyone so, once. Yeah, you know, I'm like, sure, yeah, let's me go. Too. You know, yeah. and obviously we have a lot in common and we hit it off. Um, but I remember that April day, and God, it was so pretty out in the woods. It was. And we were just killing foam yep. and laughing and missing. Right. And I think that was my first year with a longbow. I think I was still shooting a, or a longbow. I don't remember if I had my recurve, my longbow. I don't remember. But um, now I, I shoot all different kinds of bows. I wield bows and I, I have everything and I like everything and I shoot everything. But um, man, uh, and now we sit here mm-hmm. on an April day. 
We do. You drive up to my house. It takes you about an hour to get here, and what's happening? It's freaking snowing. It is. <laughs> it's like, it is. So springtime spring in Michigan. Springtime in Michigan. My daughter's softball got canceled today. My son's baseball got canceled today, and I blame you because you came to Genesee County. That's it. That's all it is. I'll right? take the blame. My shoulders are broad. <laughs> so that, that started our uh, friendship, but what's kind of weird is all the things we actually have in common. Um, sorry, guys, we're having a little bromance here for all you <laughs> listening, but but it's important to understand that this is why you want to become a member of our organization because you meet people exactly that are like minded. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned Atlanta. Um, right. So did you are, did you hunt up in Atlanta? It was the first place there? I hunted. It was okay. actually rifle hunting at the time. Um, I was very lucky. My father, uh, when he came back from uh, the service, um, having been an airborne ranger. I was familiar with bushcraft, mm-hmm. but he had grown up a city boy in Detroit, and his father didn't hunt, but he wanted to hunt. So with a um, unsporterized 1903 Springfield, he began deer hunting, and then an el- elderly man uh, uh, befriended him and uh, started taking uh, him under his wing and teaching him and uh to hunt and then in turn my father taught me but we started with uh, rifle hunting later my father got into uh, archery hunting i think like some people do for just to enjoy the extended season right and uh, not because of any particular love of of uh, the bull although for me um, I was thrilled when we started getting into that because i'd been shooting a bow since i um maybe eight years, 10 years old. I had one of those solid uh, fiberglass bows that a lot of kids start out with and terrorize the rabbits and the squirrels. Yeah, like a Pearson. I think that was like an old Ben Pearson or something Yeah, could have been. I don't know what brand. Actually, I still have the bow. That's really cool. (laughs) And uh, the handle, the plastic handle broke off eventually. and And at the time, I made a new handle and shelf out of I don't even remember rags and paper mm-hmm. or and then uh, bound it all with a uh, cloth tape that looks like denim actually <laughs> and, and it's still on there it held that was some pretty good tape it's held all this time so the the fact that you said so, Atlanta so I started oh, we started hunting seven miles north of Atlanta though seven miles okay so you're a little bit farther from where I started hunting in Wolverine. okay but we get yeah. off at the same exit I think off 202. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I get off at 202, the Alger Rose City exit, and take 33 right on up. Okay, so 202. Which takes you through Rose City, Mayo, uh, uh, Fairview. We go up. That's kind of where I I get up. Is that the West Branch exit? No, that would be before the West Branch. 212 or 222. No, 212 is the West Branch. And then 222 is St. Helens. St. Helens, 222. Okay, so we're going to get to, we're going to get, we're going to get all to these little areas, right? (laughs) So you've read my books, Twins of Prey. I have read and reread them, actually. Some of my favorite books. Oh, thank you. So kind. Uh, So they take, they take place in Ascoda. But. Uncle, the character Uncle, is a real person in my books, and he's who started me hunting in Wolverine. Mm-hmm. And we still, our family still has property in Wolverine, and the road is named after my family. Oh, and um, which is just kind of neat. It is. Then my grandparents lived in St. Helen my entire life, which is where your mother lived, right? Right. Okay. 
Right. So I knew we had a St. Helen connection, too. We did. And when your book came out and uh, we were talking about it, we realized we had this St. Helen connection. Mm-hmm. By the way, I'm, um, as you well know, I'm an avid reader. Yep. I have been all my life. And my I came by that honestly. My mother is an avid reader. She read War and Peace in like two and a half days. And <laughs> I told you, I started the book and never finished it because I was so disgusted I'd been on it a week and right. got halfway through it. Uh, so, uh, but when uh, I told her about these, your books and their you know, connection to the area, well, she just had to read them too. And it's not normally her kind of book. She's more into like uh, history and stuff like that. Wow. Uh, but she read them too. So they weren't, she, they weren't too violent for she her. Be, she, <laughs> They're too violent for my well, wife. She reads history. So, well, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> it, it does, it, that's pretty violent. So no, she's a tough old girl. So it was, so um, may she rest in peace. And but then she became a big fan of yours as well. Wow. That's, uh, that's pretty cool. I bet you, I bet you uh, at her time of the reading, she was my oldest fan. <laughs> She may well have been because she didn't pick up your books until she was well into her eighties. Yeah. yeah. Well, right. no, that that's, that's great. And, um, now just, again, we're just kismet. I don't know what you want to say. Like I've always, I was pretty excited to get you to, to, to come in today. Um, so you started with that little plastic recurve. Did you ever, Go into the world of compound hunting. Were you always a traditional guy? Yeah, what that's was your good, what was your journey like? Yes, that's a good question, uh, and it's got a, uh, a little bit of an answer. So, I'd always hunted traditional, and when I began deer hunting with a bow, it was uh, with a gifted bow for my father, like my very first bow was as well, and he gifted me a uh, bear takedown seventy pound recurve. <laughs> uh, well, I, was, I was cutting timber back in those days. Okay, so, so 70 was, was okay. I was a strapping then. young lad. And it was the one with the, uh, it's not really the pretty one because it had the uh, um, alloy riser. Okay, it. the metal, yeah. Yeah. So that's, uh, you know, that's what I got into. And then when the I had my daughters and I was going to school, working lots of overtime and spending as much time as I could with my family. Uh, my hunting, uh, for, I'm sorry to say, uh, kind of took a back seat uh, for quite a few years. Yeah, sometimes life gets in the way. <laughs> right. And, I, you know, I had to stick to top priorities, providing, mm-hmm. protecting, and so on, right? You know the drill. Amen. And so, but then when my daughters got a little older, pretty much big enough to stand up and hold a bow, guess what? We, we, we started going to the uh, local archery range, indoor archery range, which for me was at Starlight Range on uh, Grash, on Grossbeck in, that would be Warren, I think. Okay. And uh, I taught them, bought them recurve bows and taught them to shoot the recurve bows. And at the time, I uh, my uh, years earlier, my bear bow had delaminated the lower limb delaminated a full draw luckily i wasn't hurt and uh Wait, so, f- so i'm sorry so at full draw at full draw oh that's scary no string goes one way limb goes the other and the arrow goes i don't know where mm-hmm. and yeah it was scary but i wasn't hurt very lucky 
uh, well, luckier would have been it didn't break. But right. Uh, so anyway, and that sort of coincided with my having to let that go for a while. In the meantime, uh, my dad had given me another bow that he had had, which was it's called a lemonwood bow. Some of you may be familiar with this. Now, back in the fifties. Uh, these were very popular bows. They're self bows, and they're made out of what's called lemon wood, which has nothing to do with lemons, and it comes from uh, Cuba. Okay, which we don't get now because of the embargoes. The Cuban embargo, uh, and it's uh, very much like an Osage. Okay, and even similar color, hence the name, I guess. And they were very popular. They, they were made commercially, but they were also popular for boys' clubs and uh, Boy Scout troops and things like that to, to make them as a project. A good friend of mine who was born in uh, 1930, same as my father, made one, Del Bredo. I'll give him a shout-out. Hey, Del. <laughs> and uh, he said uh, he, he made one in uh, some boys' club that he belonged to or Boy Scouts. And the first time... He drew it back and it broke. The very first time. <laughs> so, um, but uh, mine had been made commercially. Again, I forget the name of the company that made it, but I would take that self bow, that long bow with me, and the girls would shoot their recurves, and I'd shoot my long bow, and we'd just have a good time mm-hmm. bonding, you know, daddy-daughter uh, archery shoots out there. So I didn't know anything about Lemonwood, the lemonwood bow, other was called a lemonwood bow. It could have been made from a lemon tree for all I knew. And they typically had a, a black backing on them, which okay. could have been a laminate for all I knew, or, you know, a, a fiberglass laminate. I didn't know, or just paint. So um, my, uh, my exploration, my research online for what, uh, about this bow led to my becoming a member of Michigan Longbow Association, as a matter of fact. So and that's how it all started. Do you still have the lemon and the lemon how, bow? And that's how it started. So when uh, years later uh, we started, the girls got older and they, they didn't want to spend as much time with mom and dad and more time with their friends. So it freed me up a little bit more. I started going back out hunting. Uh, my brother John and I uh, have been hunting partners for a long time. And he talked me into going and getting a compound bow. Mm-hmm. I said, I don't need a compound bow. I've got a perfectly good bow. And he said, no, no, you got to get a compound bow. This is the thing. you got to, you got this. Everybody's doing it. So, so what, taught, what year are we talking? What, what are ni- 90, <clears throat> uh, early to mid 90s. Okay. Now. All right. Moving forward to, to the yeah to that the, just puts me in the mind as a bow nerd that puts me in the mind frame of where technology was at the and, time and where the technology is so right? that that's yeah. why I like to to talk yeah. about those things right yeah. okay so he talked me into this and we drove down to Cabela's Ooh. down in Dundee can I guess will you remember the model oh yeah okay uh, Cabela's in Dundee uh, we got different bows okay so Golden Eagle nope. Okay. Jennings. Nope. Ooh. I don't remember what model his is, but I don't think it's either of those. Bear made some. The bear had the line called the Epic Extreme. Ah, okay. PSE. Oh. And it still have it. And it still uh, works fine. See, mid-90s PSE. You had the Manta. You had the Stingray. That was a big... There was a million Stingrays. Now you're really straight... 
There was a million PSE Stingrays out there. It was one, it was a model made just for Cabela's. Okay. And sorry, I can't think of So, so many bow people right now are like, right. So, I always say, (laughs) sorry, a little off topic. So, I listen to a lot of podcasts. The bow bow nerds? Yeah, the bow bow nerds. But um, the uh, listening to a podcast is as close as you'll ever be to being a ghost. Okay. And this is why I say this because you're listening to a conversation. And you're as if you're a ghost in the room and you're screaming uh, at the people and they just can't hear you. Oh, right, right. <laughs> it's like, right. no, it's this. <laughs> it's this. But anyway, it's not important. Your brother and you go to Cabela's, you get a compound bow. We each get a compound bow. Okay. We buy the we buy the case, the arrows, the bows, we have them set up, the sights, the whole package. We leave with bows ready to shoot. And we figure there's nothing to this thing, right? I mean, it's just I had shot a compound bow only once before Mm -hmm. that's another story in itself if you want me to go there but we um to finish this one we left there and we were compound shooters and we stayed compound shooters for a few years uh why i say we my brother still shoots compound he lives up in mayo and he shoots compound and very successful archery deer hunter and bow hunter and uh but i i after a while, I got bored with the compound bow. Went back to longbows and recurves. I'd mm-hmm. always shot both, and uh, I have a variety of each of them. It depends on what I'm doing. If I'm in a small blind, of course, hard with that uh, 62 inch longbow. <laughs> yeah. So I switched to my bare Kodiak Magnum, and uh, much more wieldy in a small tight environment. As you oh know. yeah, yeah. So. Uh, I still have my compound bow. I've since bought another compound bow. I sometimes take it on backup for, for hunts. I'm perfectly happy to shoot a deer or any game uh, with a compound bow. I took my uh, um, antelope with a oh, compound okay. bow. I tried the year before, and that didn't work out. So I brought the compound bow and decided to take my first one with a compound bow to, and did. Uh, but then again, I took my elk a, f- a few years later with, uh, with my recurve. Long, yeah, with uh, I mean, sorry, with my longbow, with my uh, uh, JV Outback. JV Outback, <laughs> yeah, and another member, Bowyer of the Land O'Lakes Bowman. Yeah. So when you took your antelope, uh, this is what happens. The reason I ask this question is what happens with me. I always say, I'm going to bow hunt for turkeys. I'm going to bow hunt for turkeys. I'm going mm-hmm. to get my turkey this year mm-hmm. with my bow. Like you said, life gets in the way. Yeah. You know, I have two young kids, and I've always had this kind of standing joke that the good Lord put turkeys on this face to be shot with a face full of pellets. Yep. And I think I might have put that in a book. But, um, I mean, I've killed a turkey with a bow. I've done it. Um, and my, my kid, you know, she hunts, as everyone heard last episode, uh, with her bow. But um, almost every time I take my shotgun instead of my bow... I killed the dang bird at four or five steps. <laughs> I'm like, I, I could have beat it to death with an arrow in my hand. Right. <laughs> like, you know, so your antelope hunt, did it end up being like a compound style shot? Like, did it you, did you actually, it, it turned th- out it's well. It's the way it works out. Uh, it, for those of you who have hunted uh, in Wyoming or have friends who haven't told you the stories, that the, the idea is to get out there in August. It's a hundred degrees. And you sit in a blind, and you're 
practically suffocating, uh, but it's great fun. And you're sitting over a water hole. Mm -hmm. Or actually, sometimes you climb up a... Uh, a um, like a windmill a type windmill thing? tower, okay. right? And hunt from there. But I was, in this case, in a black blind, you know, 100 degrees outside. I don't know what it was inside. And But the problem is, is that on this occasion, we had way too much rain. Oh, they could go anywhere. So the, yeah, they but they were coming into the water holes out of habit, thankfully. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't a water hole anymore. It was a small lake. <laughs> okay. And of course, they're going to get on the other side of the lake. Oh, yeah, I mean, I mean obviously. That, yeah. So um, I finally got what I considered a decent shot at a little over 20 yards and took it, the antelope. Uh, if you've never seen an antelope take off in fright, it, you you really miss something because unlike deer, they don't seem to crouch. If they do it so fast, my eye can't pick it up. Instead, they're like shot out of a catapult. And this one indeed took off like that, ran 100 yards like it, nothing had ever happened, and then stopped and fell over dead. Man. Well, I mean, <laughs> if you look at their lineage, they, I mean, they grew up running away from mountain lions and yeah. tigers and everything else that was fast, so... I believe they're the fastest animal they, in uh, North America. In North America, definitely. Yeah. And depending on the criteria, upon the type of race, faster than a cheetah at a little longer distances, but a little slower in the in the in the short run. So the cheetah is still considered to be the fastest, the fastest. land animal. Okay. But the American pronghorn antelope is a very close second. That's why they call I call them speed goats for a reason. They do. You know? <laughs> that in their eyes look like goat eyes. I, you know what? I never thought about it. And they have no close relative. No, anywhere. they're their own thing. All right, they're yeah. not. They're not related to African antelope at all. No. Um, and see, that's why I love conversations like this because yeah. I hadn't planned on talking about antelope, antelope hunting, and nope. here we are. We're talking right. about antelope hunting, you know. So, well, that was the evolution of my right. archery, right? So I've taken animals with both longbow, recurve, and a compound bow. Uh, compound bows are great, great technology. Love them, and it's archery, you know? right? And I love all things archery. So I got, uh, I got to tell you. I don't remember where I first saw the picture of your elk. I don't remember if you had sent it to me. James might have showed it to me. I brought it to the club because it, we have a wall. Is that where it was? For, uh, yeah. okay. for that kind of stuff, yeah. I was so stinking proud. Very. I was like, I was like, oh, Lance, my boy, he got an elk. And then I was like, and he got it with his longbow. And it was a it was a JP Outback. Outback longbow. Yeah. And I was just like Man, that's like the trifecta of cool <laughs> that I was like, Lance, I like eating elk and walleye, but you never give me any. <laughs> no, I'm teasing about that, of course. But um, no, I was just that that was a cool moment when you did that. Like I was like, look at all shucks or that's that's my guy type of deal. And uh, so you've done some pretty cool hunts. Do you have any big hunts coming up? Uh, well, I do have some hunts coming up next month, uh, middle of next month. I'm going up to uh, Minotowage, I think is how they pronounce it, in uh, northern Ontario above Lake Superior. And I'll be hunting up there with uh, Bear Sign uh, mm -hmm. Outfitters. And Don Teddy uh, will be going up there, and he sets up a rustic camp up there uh, on the bank of a river. And uh, it's uh, 
Uh, he sets a pretty good camp, and it's a good time. He talked about uh, hunting camp, and this is one. This is a hunting camp to go to if you ever have a chance. So and, you've hunted with bear sign before? And I have hunted with Don Teddy uh, in Don Teddy's bear camp yep. at, at Bear Sign. Uh, Don Teddy's not the outfitter, right? But, um, uh, but of course, Bear another, Sign is one of the sponsors. Of Ooh, Michigan bow hunters, absolutely one of our yeah. longtime, very loyal sponsors. Absolutely, yeah. So, and then we we, you know what? I want to put their commercial in this episode. Good, <laughs> you know, good. Since we're talking about them, but yeah, um, Ron's a great guy. Good, and uh, and uh, a very good guide. And he really, he's one of these guys that really wants you to get uh, to to. He wants to put you on game. And he's not happy if he's not putting you on game. So you got a spring bear hunt coming up. Anything else? Yeah. Uh, then uh, if we can get tags, another elk hunt okay. back in northwestern Colorado mm-hmm. where I got my one and only elk with my longbow. Again, it'll be a longbow hunt. I'll be bringing a compound bow for a backup. And, uh, but we've heard from the outfitter that they've had such a a heavy deer uh, deer and elk die off up there over the winter because oh, of the wow. deep, deep and crusty snow. Yeah, that we may not be able to get uh, tags. I hadn't heard Colorado. I heard Montana was having an issue. Well, in Wyoming too. Yeah. The, uh, we were just talking about antelope, and uh, we're, I heard from Bob, Bob uh, Jones and I, MBH President Bob Jones and I. Uh, had hunted out there for antelope together, and he had talked to the outfitter out there, Kelly, and the Kelly had said that there were uh, DM uh, DMUs out there where they weren't allowing any hunting this year. Really? So that all the way to Wyoming, Montana, Colorado, all in many uh, Utah, I heard too. Uh, not as quite as bad in Idaho and Utah, but but bad up there too. Mm. But so. Mike Clevenger, shout out, Mike. Yeah, uh, Mike. Mem- yeah, member of uh, Land Lakes also. James Vanover's nephew. Cousin. 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 Right? Cousins. They're cousins. And uh, big age difference, but they're cousins. They are, yeah. yeah. And uh, so, yeah, we're one big happy family out there at Land Lakes. He's so frustrating to shoot with. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> Mike. Okay. Because he's good. He's awesome. He's just good. And, and he breaks all the rules. His he form, breaks every his form, rule his ever. His form is so strange. He, start, he pulls it, the bow back, it's pointing at his foot, and he releases yeah. it somewhere between his foot and the sun, and it hits the target. Every time. He, he is an awesome You know, shot. if you try to emulate his style, you'll just hurt yourself. I can't do it. I no. just, yeah, he's, he's, we know. I mean, Mike's won the. American round at the MLA yeah. a bunch of times and just a, a really good shooter, really good hunter too. Right. Yeah. So if that goes, to, I mean, but if we can get a tag, if Mike and I can get a tag, we'll, we're, we've already got, you know, our deposit on that. Uh, Excellent. A great outfitter, a bear, uh, bear cat is the outfitter out there. Shout out to them in Colorado, near Craig, Colorado. And uh, so we can get a tag. We'll be going to that. And almost the like the day after I get back from that, if we go, I'll be switching gear in the back of my Jeep Grand Cherokee and heading back out with um, some other hunters to go to, um, uh, sorry, uh, with some other friends to go walleye fishing and a flying fishing trip a uh, little bit. East of Minotowage, oh, uh, flying out of flying out of Horn Pain. 
Okay. So I got that planned as well. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening to this right now, Lance is retired. Yeah. <laughs> Could you tell? <laughs> Could you tell? <laughs> not independently wealthy, just retired, yeah. No, in, uh, not that I'm... But kidding. you know what? I waited a long time. Yeah, yeah you sure did. I, you I, did worked a few extra, too. I did. Yeah, but uh, I I love that, you know, as outdoorsmen, we we set our lives up, and I, I believe good outdoorsmen, I don't know how to say this, we understand responsibility. We do. And it's either a responsibility to your God, to your family, to your country, to yourself, and also the responsibility you have as an outdoorsman to represent us in the taking of an animal's life and not wasting it and following the rules and regulations and, and having the ethics. And when you, you live responsibly as so many of our friends have for all these years, you generally, you know, good Lord willing and the Creek don't rise. You're blessed with the opportunities that you have right now. And I'm happy for you, sir. Thank you. I appreciate it. And yes, we, everything you said is true. And I was lucky to have a father who taught me those same values because that he had, and that you know, as uh, the as men, we have particular responsibilities mm-hmm. for the family, and those come first, and we have to prioritize and uh, live up to our duty. Amen. And we do. And then when we have extra time, and when we have time beyond that. And this is something that we can enjoy with our families, too. Neither, I'm, neither of my daughters became hunters, but they're still avid uh, archers. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're more than happy to share my kill. <laughs> right. <laughs> so they love wild game and fish and so forth. So it's still a family affair. And uh, now I've got uh, a one-year-old uh, grandson and a 12-year-old granddaughter. And I'm... The granddaughter, I've already introduced her to archery, Excellent. and we'll be uh, seeing if we can make hunters out of them. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, God, you'd be such a fun grandpa. I, I try. I, I well, I have fun. Right, <laughs> I'll tell you that. <laughs> I have fun. Grandkids are great. Yeah, my so my grandparents were. were we did a lot of fishing, right? Because uh, and I think I went hunting with grandpa once, but they were older. Um, you know, than you are now. So, um, did, did quite a bit of fishing and did other, other activities. But for me, like you had mentioned, you were blessed or lucky to have a a father to get you in the outdoors. I I was, yeah. He didn't have that. He had to do it on his own, but I had a a mentor. Yeah. Same, same as I didn't have a dad. So, um, my, we talked about responsibilities and my entire life goal has been like when I was 19, or 18. Yeah. Like my goal was to be a dad. Yeah. I didn't want to be one right away. And thank God I wasn't. But right. I knew like I wanted to be dad a better have. father that I didn't have. Now, before my family listens to this, my mom got married, remarried when I was 12. And my stepdad is an amazing man. He took both me and my sister in. He raised me. He taught me everything I know about being a good dad. You've told me about it. Yeah. Just not in the outdoors. Right. <laughs> right. So, right. Um, and that just wasn't his passion, sure. which is fine. But my uncle, who's actually my cousin, but uncle, yeah. um, who stepped in and was my biological father's cousin. That's how that all shook out. But that's not so he got me started. But um, you know, 
I can't say I'm self-taught because I've had a lot of friends like you, like Mike, like James, and like the guys at the club that have, in my insatiable desire to read anything that's outdoor related, um, you know, I've learned a lot through stuff like that. But I don't know where I was going with this. I do, actually. When I talk to my friends at work about our passions and, you know, and I have a lot of them. I'm a weird guy. I get it. Like, I, I do a lot, right? Yeah. But, um, you know, they all know that I'm going to take the first week of turkey season off. Right. And they all know that I'm probably going to have my bird killed in the first five minutes of opening morning. <laughs> it's the way it's worked, like, the last six years. Right? Oh, has it? Oh, Yeah, awesome. I've been, like... Awesome, dude. I, I didn't know you lot, were getting it that early. I do quick. a lot of early... I do a lot of scouting. That's key. Right? I like, know. I went and checked my fields today. Yeah, you know, even though it was snowing out, right? And checked them, right? But I'm also putting my kids on birds, <laughs> right? Yeah. And this year I don't have any clients, but in the past I, I have done some turkey guiding ah. in, in the past. So, um, but some of the guys are like, "Well, why do you take all week off?" And I was like, "Because I want to spend that time and hunting with my kids." And like, you yeah. take your kids out of school to hunt, and I, and I just look at them, and I'm like, "Does your 12 year old put food on your table?" Mm. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, my 12-year-old shoots a deer. Yeah. That's 32 meals. Right. That my 12-year-old put. I mean, I, I know like back in like farming days or turn of the century days, that was sure. not uncommon. No. And I wish more kids were putting food on the table. Yeah. And I just, I, I, I'm proud of that. Right. And so when I was 19, I knew I wanted to be a dad. I knew I wanted to be a good dad. I didn't know that I wanted to be a dad that taught my kids how to hunt. Yeah. I'm only halfway through this whole dad thing. Right. But I think I've succeeded. Billy, you're a good dad. Thank you, sir. Just <laughs> <laughs> from one dad to another. Uh, and I, your your opinion is one I value. I don't... I don't... A lot of the homeless guys I deal with at work... Yeah. I don't really care about their opinion you wouldn't wouldn't take them as fathering role models no 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 no. good good idea i'm not always nice i'm always polite yeah you know (laughs) i think we've discussed that before you know right um that's a that's another bring up ken again that was another thing you know i'm not always polite i'm not sorry i'm not always nice but i'm always polite you know um okay so we're gonna wrap this all up and wheel it all back in you are now the vice president of MBH. Of MBH. Who'd have thunk it? How did the hell did that happen? I, I, you know, um, it, it, I think part of it is that in every organization, I belong to several and I'm mm-hmm. active in, in a few of them. Uh, it's, and you know this, it's always a small group of people who are doing most of the work. Always is. And, and, yep. and I, I don't knock the folks who just join an organization and they just have their membership. And I do in some of the organizations I belong in. That's that's the extent of my involvement. Right. I pay for my membership and and read the newsletter. And that's about it, right? And every organization needs those folks too. But it's a smaller group of people. And now that I'm, I, I am retired, um, you know, I can, I can, give back. Uh, Other people did this work in the past Mm -hmm. and that they passed the torch and somebody's got to step up. So the way it actually happened was at where the current president, uh, Bob Jones and I have been on a few hunts together 
and I don't remember which one it was, maybe the, uh, the hunt that he told about on, the, on this podcast where he got his bear in uh, New Brunswick. The redemption bear. The yep. redemption bear, right? That's a good turn of phrase. And Someone uh, wrote it. And, and his story <laughs> is true, by the way. I was there. Uh, every word. And uh, it might have been on the trip out there or back. He suggested that when the we have our new elections, that he be term limited at vice president. He'll move up. Uh, he'll offer to stand for president. And mm-hmm. if he does, he would like me to stand as vice president. Uh, for with him uh, we're good friends and we work together well and uh, we feed off each other pretty good so I said well that sounds intriguing but you know what I've worked a lot of hours and have family obligations and I really couldn't give it the attention it deserves but someday when I retire uh, you know what I'll consider it seriously as it happened um I retired last September, and about 15 minutes after I retired, <laughs> I got a phone call from Bob, Bob Jones. Jones. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I just heard Ford laid off 3,000 engineers. Were you one of them? Are you retiring now? <laughs> Not that I care about your well-being. <laughs> yeah, he got me. So, and... uh but I'm very excited about the opportunity, and I think that uh, I think it'll be a lot of fun working with Bob and the uh, and the Board of Governors, mm-hmm. uh, all great folks, and uh, most of them are my friends. Right. So you know, be my friends. We'll be doing things we like. We'll be working together. Uh, we're trying to make a positive contribution to the club, uh, to the organization. Excuse me, and uh, and I think we can. Excellent. And you're, we're going to talk a little bit in segment three because in segment three of every show, I always do the affiliate club corner. Okay. And instead of um, featuring one club in this episode, I just kind of want to pick your brain a little bit on your time spent as the affiliate club coordinator and um, just kind of dive into that just, just a little bit. But uh, Mr. Vice President... Yes. I am. I don't think I knew about you stepping into this role until the day that I saw you at Ashley when I was promo or not promoting, but uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, pitching, pitching the this. idea of this yeah. of this podcast happening, and uh, you had told me, and I relived that elk moment. Yeah. Oh, that I hear you. That that a boy, <laughs> like the perfect pick. Like I was like, now of course I want my friends to be in leadership positions because that usually bodes pretty well for anything that I'm trying to do with the organization or the or not only what I wish, but I also know like more like minded individuals, people yes. that think like me. Yes, right, and um, and I I, I do think you and Bob. We'll work great together, uh, yin and yang, and um, it's not groupthink. Uh, I like Bob being excited, and I like Lance being my voice of reason. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, Bob, Bob's a dynamo. Well, yeah, we need. Oh, big, we need. Gosh. I'm a it's big like, idea. I'm, I'm a big idea person. Yeah. So obviously, him and I get along. And yeah. then I have my wife Alicia. Yeah. Who's my Lance? <laughs> <You know? laughs> okay. Like, my voice of reason. But. <laughs> 
but uh, yeah, I, I think the the organization is in great hands, and I'm proud to say I'm friends with both of you. Well, the approval of my peers uh, is one of the things that I value most, and uh, the approval of some of my best friends, such as you, thank you, uh, is the most one of the most important things to me. So thank you very much. I appreciate that. Hey, you've earned it, man. You have. Thanks. All right. Well, that was a fantastic chat. I really appreciate you coming out, and we're going to hop into a commercial break, and then we'll be right back to talk about your time spent as the Affiliate Club Coordinator. This episode of the Michigan Bowhunters Association podcast is brought to you by Bear Sign. Bear Sign is a full-service black bear guide and outfitter in Ontario, Canada. Reach out to Bear Sign via their phone number 807-826-3742 again give bear sign a call if you're interested in hunting black bear in ontario canada 807-826-3742 we'd like to thank bear sign for supporting michigan bow hunters for multiple years they have donated a bear hunt to mbh which we have auctioned off and raffled off at our annual banquets again that's bear sign 807-826-3742. All right, and as promised, I we just listened to the advertisement for Bear Sign. So if you guys need more information on them, make sure you check out the show notes of this episode. However you're listening to this episode, just scroll down on that app. Or if you're listening on the computer, just open it up and scroll down. There's show notes there. There's actually all the information you could want on many of the things that we talked about. thing I want to talk about today with Lance is now that he's the vice president of the Michigan Bowhunters Association, we had to fill the job that you left, which was the affiliate club coordinator. And Frank Oltman, thankfully, has stepped up to uh, take that role Lance, can you just uh, give me a, a few uh, minutes on what does the affiliate club coordinator do? What's on Frank's table now that used to be on yours? Right. Good questions. Uh, and thanks. Uh, shout, big shout out to Frank for stepping up to yes. that. I honestly thought I was going to have to cover both jobs for a while. I really appreciate it, Frank. And I think it, it, I'm positive Frank's going to make a great affiliate club coordinator. So the, if we have... And I know that various numbers have been bandied about, and I've got about 70 clubs on my list, but actually currently um, dues-paying affiliate clubs are 60 of them. And uh, it, the clubs with archery, whether it be full-service sportsmen's clubs like... Uh, um, Oakland County Sportsman's Club, uh, just use an example, they even got car racing. There, yeah, they have right? like go-karts and right. a restaurant. But as long as they have a, a, an, an archery, archery program, mm -hmm. uh, they can be affiliate uh, affiliated with Michigan Bow Hunters as long as their values line up with ours, of right. course, right? So, and that's true of, uh, of a lot of clubs in the state of Michigan. And we've been lucky to have a lot of very um, loyal affiliates for ever for a very long time. So, the uh, you've begun 
interviewing some people and talking about mm-hmm. some of the affiliate clubs. So the the affiliate clubs can work hand in hand with the organization. They they can, um, and the organization can help them to promote their shoots because we put we uh, put their schedules. We list their shoots in our newsletter, as you well know, and on the web. And we also post some of their archery events uh, in, uh, they can buy discounted advertising and they can go on our Facebook page as well as in the newsletter and on the web. So we can cover a lot of that and help them out with uh, promoting their events. In exchange, Michigan Bow Hunter, uh, just make make a point of this, Michigan Bow Hunter members get a $1 discount on all the shoots uh, since the shoots are typically about a, uh, $10 uh, a person for the shoots. That gives you a 10% discount. That's, yep. that's pretty nice. I never thought of it that way. But so, yeah. Uh, is that, yeah, so it's pretty cool. And uh, But anyway, the uh, when I was uh, asked to take on the jobs, the then-president, Sam Morello said it's about the job of affiliate club coordinator is about customer service. Okay. And so although I wasn't perfect at the job, I made mistakes, uh, but uh, we tried to make sure that all the club's schedules that are passed on to me are listed in a timely way in the magazine. That's probably one of the biggest things we do. I help coordinate with the clubs when they've got a question about events or perhaps hosting events with um, Michigan Bowhunter events, uh, make sure that they uh, get the correct information for how to do that and to contact with the right people when they, they come to the affiliate club coordinator with questions about when and how they can advertise. The affiliate club coordinator answers those questions for them. Um, the affiliate club coordinator has to list keep a list of the clubs, the contact person from that club, both the mailing address and the physical address of the club in separate separate databases because we put a list of the clubs with their physical location and a contact for that club in the newsletter, not every issue, but roughly say every other issue so that folks when they're looking for a place to go shoot on the weekend and they see that well tomahawk archers is having a shoot or northwoods is having a shoot or any of the other any of our many many other sorry i'm not able to mention all 60 of them oh yeah but many of our many many of our clubs uh, are having shoots that if you're not familiar with where that club is you want to see if it's where near you or a place you're going to be on the weekend, then uh, that you can refer to that list. Then each and every club uh, is sent a copy of the newsletter, which to the club itself, mm-hmm. the, the club, a copy of the newsletter. And so I have to provide that information or the affiliate club coordinator has to provide that information to our membership director, Al Baggett, uh, who takes care of the mailings for the newsletter. The affiliate club coordinator obviously has to work pretty much hand in glove with the editor. We have an awesome editor right now, by the way. With Dave Wilkins. Dave Wilkins, the awesome, awesome. Now, we've you know had a lot of good people as editors over the years. Uh, 
I hesitate to say that you know he's the best ever, but you know he's the best ever. I'm so glad I, <laughs> I'm so glad I turned that job offer down. Oh, did you? Because I, then we got Dave. Yeah, and Dave's so good at he it. He is very, <laughs> very good at it. Uh, not that the others weren't great, but um, Dave, Dave's an awesome editor. So the editor, uh, the affiliate club coordinator, has to work closely with them mm-hmm. now. Also. It, sometimes the clubs just have complaints. Um, everybody does, right? Uh, whether it be about some mistake I had made, uh, and I made some, or whether it be with... Um, I forget to put something on the website. It happens. It We're, happens. It's a business. Stuff happens. Or they didn't, their ad didn't come out the way they... Th- whatever, at it, whatever it might be. And they're, the first place they can go to, their fir- their point of contact is the affiliate club coordinator right and the affiliate club coordinator's job is to listen carefully to their complaint and if at all possible remedy the complaint or bring that complaint forward to the people who can remedy it right so the clubs don't have to figure out who at mbh do i have to call to get xyz results Mm -hmm. or to apply for taking on the um, next uh, rendezvous or something like that, right? They, they have a point of contact, and that point of contact is the affiliate club coordinator. And that's Frank. And that's Frank <laughs> Oltman. Frank Oltman. Thank you, Frank. Yeah, and if you, are hap- if you happen to be listening to this, two things. If you happen to be listening to this and you're a member of a club and you're not sure it's an affiliate club, you can always go to michiganbowhunters.com slash affiliate clubs and check the list. Uh, If you don't see your name there, again, while you're on that page, there's all the contact info. You can fill out that contact info. It'll go right to Frank, and he will reach out to you about becoming an affiliate club. It's not expensive. It's... Oh, $50 per five years. Yeah, it's 10 bucks a year. it hasn't changed in many decades. It's... It's the best bargain in town. And if you are a member of an affiliate club, this is an important one. If you are a member of an affiliate club and you have a big event coming out, you need to reach out and let us know because we do have a pretty big email list. And generally, uh, the unwritten rule, we'll call it, is we'll send out an advertisement for you to our email list once a year. You know, so I'd... Save it for your big event. That's what I would I right. would say. You know, we do it with Land Lakes every year. Land Lakes has a big August shoot. We push out a big email. That email goes to the entire Michigan Bow Hunters membership, but also to the Michigan Bow Hunters email list of non-members, which is pretty significant, right? right. So this is some of the value added that we provide our affiliate clubs right. for $10 a year. Ten dollars a year. I That's mean, it's it. a no-brainer, right? Oh, it is. And not a lot of our affiliate clubs take a, take advantage of the email list, and right. a, and a lot of them, um, and a lot of other. I I don't know any. I personally don't know any archery clubs that aren't on the affiliate list. But there's got to be some out there. Oh, there are. Like I said, I have a yeah. longer list of, okay. of clubs that uh, I keep in a database, and and when I have an opportunity. Uh, I try to contact clubs and uh, and pitch yeah. uh, to use the phrase used to uh, pitch to them uh, becoming an affiliate. Uh, 
in some cases, they just didn't know that it was an option, and they're pretty excited about it when they hear about it. Other clubs, you know, their priorities change over time, and maybe they're doing they're not doing a lot of archery, yeah. so they'll fall off the list, and and somebody else will come back. We've had uh, some of our um, governors have done a really good job of reaching out to clubs in their area and signing up new clubs uh, over the years. Uh, that I've been affiliate club coordinator, and I'm sure they'll many of them will continue to do that kind of work too. So. Um, I think that, uh, the, the, if I could change one thing, it would be that the clubs would, I think, as you implied, realize how much we can help them yeah. and that we are here to help them. And we, uh, inc- and we encourage them and I would send out, uh, email blast to them, to the clubs, to the club contacts, reminding them of some of the. Uh, things that we can do for them. And it was unfortunate in some cases the clubs didn't uh, pass on their schedules uh, and they're losing out right. when, when they don't do that. And also, just as importantly, the membership would lose out because a lot of folks carry that newsletter around with them it's, to, it's, figure, uh, to know where they're, where they're going to they're they're shoot that the next weekend. Yeah. Correct. It, it's it, it's a no brainer for a club to be an affiliate club, but I've always said that it's a no brainer for anyone that is a hunting archer in the state of Michigan to be a member of our organization. Indeed, and we work behind the scenes in Lansing and with the NRC mm-hmm. to uh, be the voice of Michigan bow hunters. Uh, President uh, Bob Jones and I were just in Lansing at the NRC meeting, longest one in history, I think, <laughs> uh, uh, last Thursday. So Excellent. Yeah. Well, thank you for representing us as Affiliate Club Coordinator all those years, as our Vice President, of course, in Lansing. Thanks for driving out to my house. Now, these microphones, while they're not like crazy, crazy, like broadcast quality, I'm pretty sure they can hear my stomach growling. Mm. Let's go get some lunch. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Michigan Bow Hunters Association podcast. It's May. It's beautiful. April showers brought May flowers. Turkey season's been open for a couple weeks. Hopefully, you've all got your bird. I know we, earlier we said we're recording this in April, but as you're listening to it, I know it's May. It's, it's weird. <laughs> it's a time machine. It goes you know, forward. But um, can't thank you enough. Um, you heard me last week when I talked for over 1,000 downloads uh, of the show. Uh, that's stinking fantastic. We've had a lot of you sign up to become members of Michigan Bow Hunters. We really appreciate that. You heard me read off those names that joined uh, most recently last episode. If you're listening to this and you're not a member, scroll down. Check out michiganbowhunters.com. All our membership info is there. We need you to join us and help being the voice of Michigan's hunting archer. Thanks again, and get outdoors. It's a wild place to be. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Michigan Bowhunters Podcast. Please make sure to visit our website at www.michiganbowhunters.com to learn about becoming a member of the Michigan Bowhunters Association. Music